This is a Saddleback Church podcast. When an athlete trains and practices in his or her sport, they are achieving multiple goals at the same time. They get stronger by lifting weights. They get more agile and increase endurance by running and and doing sprints. They develop muscle memory by practicing their sport in certain moves over and over and over again. All of this is in pursuit of being ready for the competition, ready for game day. As Christians, we have our own exercises. We call them spiritual practices. We grow stronger in our faith through reading scripture. We grow more agile and increase endurance through fasting and engaging in silence and solitude. We develop muscle memory through gratitude. Now, today's episode is all about spiritual practices. My guest today is Reward Sabanda, a teaching pastor here at Saddleback Church. Reward and I go in-depth on what spiritual practices are, what they do to and for you, and why it's important to make spiritual practices a part of your life. My name is Jason Wheeland, and this is a Doable Discipleship, a Saddleback Church podcast, part of the Saddleback family of podcasts. Now, my conversation with Reward Sabanda. Reward, how are you doing today? Thanks for being here. My man, thank you so much for having me, brother. <laughs> I'm very, very excited to get to chat with you about some fun stuff. We're talking about uh, Christian spiritual practices today. Come on. So, and I know this is right up your alley, so this is going to be great <laughs> stuff uh, for everybody who is listening today. So, to start us off, can you just give us kind of an overview of like spiritual practices? What do we even mean when we're talking about spiritual practices? Man, thank you so thank you so much for having me, man. And uh, this is one of those moments that you know, like uh, when a, a a spiritual practices Jedi, you know what I mean, asks you what spiritual practices <laughs> are. <laughs> the smart move, right, is to is to kind of throw it back at them and then be like, oh yeah, that's exactly what I was oh, saying. Great. So, so I think I'll, I'll do that, man. Oh. I think that's an old uh, you know tried play, but. Uh, yeah, what, what, what would you say a spiritual practice? <laughs> what would you say is a good definition? <laughs> Thanks, Reward. The first question out, you're already just throwing it back. Um, so so for Christian spiritual practice, what we're talking about are, are uh, actions or places that we can put ourselves in mm-hmm. that help to refocus our mind, our, our thoughts back on God. They're meant to, to act as um, almost like a, a, an aid back into abiding Come on. in God. I Come think on. that's kind of what we're talking about. So so there are practices that are pretty common and well-known. Yeah. Um, a silence and solitude, that's kind of a, a well-known practice. Yeah. A journaling, uh, prayer, yeah. memorizing scripture. These are all kind of spiritual practices that we can do yeah. that are often just meant to refocus, to realign yeah. ourselves yeah. back into relationship with God, or I should say relationship with God, back into that abiding life with God. Um, so there have been a number of books on this topic, right? There's mm-hmm. there's um, a celebration of the discipline, 
Um, there's just a book, a whole bunch of books on spiritual disciplines, yeah. spiritual practices. Um, and I'll link to a few of those in the show notes as well. But I want to get the reward yeah. perspective. <laughs> I, I'll happy to set the there table. There we go. <laughs> but I want to get the reward perspective. So, so let me just ask yeah. this in this way then. Yeah. When did your journey with spiritual practices start? Yeah. No, and thank you so much for that definition. That's exactly what I would have said if I was half as brilliant and as uh, <laughs> you know intentional as that. But no, I think um, I, I I I think you're you're right. So um, I don't know if people would know this, but I kind of hail from an African context, right? Um, yeah. The southern part of Africa, Gobulawayo. And um, in those particular things, I I think when I came here was the first time I saw. A, a, a cognitive rebrand of mm. the practices, right? Because in that particular context, and uh, you would see this in, in in a lot of older world context, or majority world context, where it's called the disciplines, right? Yeah. And uh, the more you lean into the disciplines, the closer you are to godliness. Yeah. So in a lot of those contexts, it's always served as kind of a, um, a, a metric on how godly you are, mm. right? I mean, even that in itself shows that there's some <laughs> yeah. so, some practices which aren't as developed in, in, in the pursuit of the character of Christ. So for me, um, I find that because of our upbringing, right, coming from a highly spiritual background, uh, practices are deeply ingrained in the social order of all things that you essentially do. Mm. Right, whatever it is, there is a discipline attached to that particular thing. You work the discipline, then you get the de desired end result of whatever the character formation. Uh, that is one of those things. So I think yeah. from from as early as I can remember, I grew up in a Christian family, and those things were just. Um, I mean, there, it was rote memory, right? Over and over, they were beat into us. Until, you know, you came over here and it's like, oh, these are the practices. I was like, oh, that's just Monday where I come from. So, <laughs> but yeah, that I, I, I think, and that I would safely say was my first um, really, um, yeah, diving into, into, in, into the practices. Well, I think it's an interesting way to think about it because that term, you know, people go back and forth between the terms practice or discipline. People yeah. like the term disciplines because yep. they see it's tied to being a disciple, same yes, kind of root yes, in there. Disciples yes, should be disciplined, exactly, and therefore should do the disciplines. Exactly. Pr the practices, though, what I like about that term yep. is you can then think about it as a, in a sports metaphor. Yeah, which works for me. So it's like I like to think about you know this was the, the thing with Tom Brady for yep. so long as the yep. quarterback for the. Patriots and then the Bucks. Yeah, is he had a routine. He had a rhythm That's that right. he would do every That's day, exactly whether right. he was in the in season or off season. Yes, to keep to hone his body to be in football playing. That's right. Nature, and if we think about Christian practices as yeah. a, something that we can do to continue to hone ourselves and to form us into being more and more towards the character of Christ. Absolutely, and that's kind of part of that, dude. I love that analogy. Um. Uh, well, part of it, right? Okay, I, you love part yeah, of it. Yeah, I love part of it. The other part that I don't like is the fact that nobody will ever make reference 
to a Cowboys quarterback as being, you know. Sorry, I did not choose Dak or Tony or even going back to Aikman. Sorry. Exactly. <laughs> and yeah, that is kind of sad that Aikman is probably the only uh, quarterback. If you wanted to make a sports better for well, he's the, the last Cowboys. championship winning one. So exactly. we go back to that. <laughs> so, so that's why I was like, man, that was a reminder. But, but what I love about that is um, – it, it, it's it's muscle memory, right? It's it's the muscle memory that we develop to have the desired outcome of the things that we need. Mm. Uh, I, I think in, in, in any and all things, we, the people that belong to a capitalist estate, mm. which is, um, I think, just the, um, the social operating system of who we are in, in the West and in, and in America specifically, uh, we want, we always uh, want to guarantee outcomes. Mm. And because it's in guaranteeing outcomes that we have a measurable metric for how well we're doing, good, bad, or otherwise. Yeah. And I feel like even in our spiritual life, right, not necessarily so that we can compare ourselves against other people, which the Bible says is not wise, but so we can know that are we on a growth trajectory, right? Mm. I love what uh, you mentioned in... um. In, in a separate conversation when you brought up the fruit of the spirit. Sure. And it's like, hey, that's how people are like, man, is there fruit in their life? And there's a lot of that conversation. But that, if, if, if the fruit of the spirit in our lives is what people can look at and go, that is an, um, an, an, that is an emulatable follower of Christ, then I would even say the practices are the, uh, the tilling of that ground, mm. right? That then produces the fruit of what that looks like. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, of um, theological segues that we can kind of take with that. But in the most basic form, that's what I think about. And uh, I think, hey, if you practice the practices, right, then what it does is it helps you in the abiding aspect of it. And in that place, in that space of abiding, you see, I'm, I'm, I'm creating healthy distance because I don't want to equate it into a formula, right? Yeah. Practices equals fruit mm. because then that kind of veers, <laughs> you know, dangerously close to the works. It's missing the thing. spiritual. Yeah, 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 exactly. But to me as the farmer, having a farmer mindset coming from an agrarian background, mm. that's what I look at. Hey, if you practice uh, the practices, what it does is it eventually yields the the beautiful fruit of the fruit of the spirit in your life. I want to go back to what you were talking about, about the muscle memory yeah. aspect of it. Cause I thought that was really an interesting point that I didn't want to just kind of jump over. Mm. Um, and I hadn't really thought a whole lot about that element before. And I think it's so true Yeah, is if you can train yourself to react certain ways or to jump or to, lean towards or to dive into or to yeah. pull in back pull into certain certain practices when yeah. these come up in your life right if you've built a rhythm or a habit of gratitude which yeah. is a spiritual practice yeah. then when things come up in your life that's right you are more likely to fall to that Absolutely. to approach it with gratitude Absolutely. or with joy or with worship or celebration there we go. or lament you know all these other spiritual there practices yeah. rather than kind of just be deer in the headlights, yes, caught not yes. knowing what to do next or yes. fall into unhealthy. Yes. Habits. Man, and if you think about it too, man, that's, 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 a, that's a beautiful point because when we go back to the origins context, right, the sociology of, of the Bible, the anthropology of this faith that we're then given to as a gift, when we look at that, the, the, the setting 
what that looks like in that particular community, right? We that's where we get things like train up a child, right? Yeah. In the way that they should go. And then when they're old, they will not depart from it. And a part of the training in that Judaic context, right? Was all right, the words of you know, the books of um sorry, the word these words will not depart. You know, you train them, you talk about them with your kids, and you do all of these things. So already the practice is being built in the daily rearing of children when yeah. they kind of come up to that. And I think I think that's the beauty of a lot of the older, kind of more established uh, civilizations and cultures mm. to where spiritual formation isn't just something that begins once they take the responsibility of accepting Jesus in their lives. But no, it is baked into the upbringing of posterity and the children as they kind of uh, come up with, 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 with what it looks like. So it's one of those things that um, when I finally came to where I could truly enjoy the benefits of a life formed, right, and modeled um, after and in, in, in the image of the character of Christ, I was like, man, I feel like I have um, an advantage because these yeah. are things that were bitten into me, right? And yeah. these are things that when deviation from these practices was punishable, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying, in my formative years. And now it's like, a, oh, okay, I finally embrace this faith and I love it. And I'm like, oh my goodness. You know, the Bible says, uh, let the word... Uh, dwell richly in you yeah but that's something that was forced into us and now i'm like now i get to enjoy that you know the work that's already kind of been put in me in my uh foundations and in my origins context and so that's that's fun mm. what particular spiritual practices do you most adopt in your life are there certain ones that you've really kind of clung to have you tried some different ones and be like mm. that one I, i'm not really clicking with right now yeah are they seasonal or what has been your experience with actual practice of certain practices yeah dude i'm pretty sure every african in the, on the <laughs> planet will echo the sentiment that prayer yeah. is. <laughs> it, it comes, you know, it comes a part of the package, man. You can't opt out of it. It's great. It's forever grayed it's built out. Into, yeah. It's built into what it looks like. But but I think a lot of it uh, does come from the fact that a lot of, uh, let me speak about the African context uh, specifically. There, yeah. There's very few African uh, uh, countries or contexts that are born into independent uh, wealth, yeah. right, in a sense. There's always a sense of, uh, of need in those particular communities. Mm. And even if you come from it, because even within those contexts, there are people that do better than others, but the communal needs will always, right, it's, will always weigh on you and will always lean into and impose themselves on your reality, whatever that looks like. Yeah. Whatever your subjective uh, origins context is and the wealth quotient when it comes to that, the needs of the community, the needs of the continent will always kind of, you know what I'm saying, yeah. um, crash on, on, on what that essentially looks like. So because of that, prayer is something that is built into us as a coping and survival mechanism. Mm. Right, you always pray. You see God. You see the faith as uh, as entities of um, 
of solutions, right? Mm. The gospel has to be a gospel of solutions. Uh, God has to be a God who moves on behalf of the people, right? That's why there's such a deep resonance with the Psalms and lamentation within yeah. a lot of, uh, of African context. So because of that, prayer wasn't simply just um, an elective, right? It wasn't mm-hmm. something which was like, man, you do this to get uh, more intimate with God or, or progress in your spiritual formation. No, prayer was how you did life. You pray because you need to. It's very funny. Someone sent me a song and it resonated deeply in my spirit. I didn't even want to know why. But the refrain of that particular song was, I I, I need to pray. I need to pray. If I don't pray, the devil will mess up my life. You know, and I mean, it's, it's questionable theology, right? But the cultural resonance was, was, was profound yeah. because I was like, man, all I've ever known about prayer and why there was a deep resonance with the, in, with the Bible is there's constantly, right, people who are coming up to Jesus from a place of need and Jesus meets that need, right? Yeah. And then the worship kind of ensues. So the first thing that was built into me at a default was prayer. Then worship was the appropriate response whenever God would move on your behalf. Mm. So that was also baked into <laughs> yeah. my spiritual practices. And then worship was also told to us that it's a primer yeah. for the prayer and worship. So it was this, it's uh, this nice full exactly, circle. Exactly. This full circle Ouroboros kind of yeah. moment when it came to that. So those two were, were primary and those two kind of served each other. Then the third was fasting. Mm. You see the circle right here, right? Yeah. So you fast so that your prayers can be more effective. And when your prayers are effective, then <laughs> you worship to thank God. And then in that worship, you set him up for another. And then it becomes this uh, this kind of circle and everything. Now, um, there's this guy. I don't know if you've ever uh, read uh, Robert Levine. In this book, it's called A Geography of Time. Mm. And he has a pretty interesting concept. And what he says is, you know how some people are left brain and right brain? Yeah. But what he says is there are communities which are also left brain and right brain based on their value systems. Mm. It's like, for example, a lot of majority world contexts, um, Africa being a prime example, or um, even our Latin American people, that time is relative. It's yeah. completely relative, right? <laughs> time begins because the value system is relational. So it would be rude for me to to break this conversation to go somewhere else, but then they never look at it that it's rude for the other person that's kind of waiting for <laughs> you. But then they're talking about how uh, more um, more progressive society, and I'm talking about uh, progressive in the sense of building, yeah. and uh, which are relatively younger civilizations, which are still in that building grind, uh, are, are almost like um, left brain communities. So they prioritize and also synthesize time differently. Mm. And um, it's it, it, it's one of those. So because of that, uh, coming from the African context, coming full circle to my point, um, I believe that certain communities also have personalities. Yeah. And um, the personality of a lot of relational and kind of established or older context is very gregarious, right? Mm. And uh, meaning that the silence and solitude practice Yeah is either very rare or completely non-existent in a lot of communities like the African community, yeah. like the Latin American community, right? It's only when you come into the, the Anglo or the Saxony where, you know, the monks and sure. where, where, where those practices are, are, are really embraced. So I think those three were the primary formative uh, practices in my origins context. And then uh, moving forward, there are some I would love to grow in 
which is uh yeah so which ones are do you have your eye on of like hmm, i'd really I'm, I'm interested 2024 this might be my year for this one there we go actually let me um and this is just kind of a nod to the whole practicing the way because of how they kind of structure them so for example uh prayer fasting right those are just like straight up worship yeah those are like what it community is also another one that is just deeply ingrained within the African sure. context. And I, once again, I can only speak from my yeah. right ethnicity. Uh, silence and solitude, not so much. <laughs> Sabbath, uh, not really so much. You know, except if you're a Seventh-day Adventist, sure. which in itself just kind was of goes a huge, in, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Service is also culturally ingrained mm-hmm. in, uh, in who we are. Witness, it's just... If you if there's a culture of community and and commensality is at the core of that particular cultural expression, yeah. then witness is just what you do when you get around people that you kind of like. Mm. And then uh, scripture is another one. So scripture, silence, and solitude are ones which I'd be like, man, I would love to grow more mm. in those because, right? Once again, oral tradition and storytelling is very different from scripture and, and silence and solitude. And, right? So yeah. those are the three that I, I, I would love to grow in. If that was a thing. I think what's cool about spiritual practices that maybe often, I don't know if it gets overlooked or mm-hmm. just isn't as talked about as the reason for it, is it's this constant reminder and ingraining in us of our dependency on God. Mm-hmm. Right? So, yep. so the idea of... And we can even name a couple of them, right? Yeah. The man. obvious one with this is fasting. Is yeah. you're literally not intaking food. That's right. In order to remind yourself of needing to be sustained by God. That's right. Um, silence and solitude. That is removing the relational elements. Yeah. And fasting from those elements. Yeah. So that you can have <laughs> like just that. have specific alone time with God and saying, all I need ultimately is God. I'm going to deny myself other people for this time to refocus on God. Um, You know, I think all of those gratitude, worship, scripture, all of these, uh, every, every practice at its core, at its heart is a way for your body, which as a reminder, being a believer, mm-hmm. you have the Holy Spirit living in you. Yeah. So yep. it is it is almost taking away the humanness of ourselves a little Ooh, bit or good. setting it back to let the spirit part of you yeah, it's good. be refocused back on the Father God. That's exactly right. And I think that's Man. a really interesting way to think Dude, about it. Dude, and that 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 not just an interesting, but a really brilliant way because I think you bring us to the basics, which I always say, um, if you truly want to thrive in the practices and understand, uh, right, a life of, uh, of, of, of health and productivity within the kingdom context, right, it all boils down to that tripartite makeup of man, right, spirit, soul, and body. I feel like whenever you understand that, yeah. it, it really gives you a breakthrough in, um, in, in, in your faith journey because then you understand what each faculty corresponds to. So, for example, um, fasting right it, whenever you see fasting in the bible it says it has it correlates with the soul 
yeah. center of self-consciousness, your mind, your will, your emotion, your volition, all of that goodness. Right? Hey, when I humble my soul with fasting, anytime you think about fasting, it has to do with the soul. Mm. And, 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 and it's about soul care and it's about removing specific things and doing all that. Yes, it affects the body, but pr fasting is primarily about the soul. It's yeah. about stealing your mind, your will. When you look at prayer, every time it talks about prayer, it talks about the, it's in correlation with the spirit. The spirit is the adjacent faculty that has to do with, with prayer, yeah. right? Hey, my, my, my spirit prays, even if my understanding is unfruitful, is what Paul yeah. kind of says. So the fact that you kind of divided that, and, and most of the time it has to do with ascendancy. So mm -hmm. for example, yeah. if I've been Netflix and binging Netflix and chilling all week and everything, my mind is going to be completely alive with all sorts of like, ridiculousness <laughs> and my spirit right in that so my mind or my soul is in a place of ascendancy and my spirit isn't as optimized but then if i fast and i pray and i worship and i practice silence and solitude it stills my soul yeah. and it places my spirit in a place of ascendance to where then i can hear and commune with god mm. better so i think you brought up something which to me has been a game changer really in um in navigating this, when I see a specific thing that the Bible either commands us mm -hmm. or or tells us to do, I always look for the corresponding faculty of what that essentially looks like. Look at your body. Hey, present your body as a living sacrifice. You know, there's aspects, there's specific things, right, that speak to the body. There's specific things that speak to the soul and there's specific things that speaks to the spirit. And I think you you brilliantly brought that in because that is crucial um, to the practices, I believe. Where do you see, it seems like we're in almost a, in a, 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 a age or, or society or culture or whatever term you want to use right now mm -hmm. that is almost re-embracing spiritual practices. Yeah. It's kind of, I, I, I feel like there's been this kind of ebb and flow right. of the culture's relationship with spiritual practices or That's disciplines. Right. And it seems like we're in a moment where people are wanting that more. They're yeah, wanting that more. What do you attribute that to? That's a great question, man. And uh, my, my subjective opinion, I think we've just reached critical mass, right? Um, when Barnard talks about like noise pollution, for example, yeah. right? We, we've, we, we, we've reached this critical mass when it comes to oversaturation of uh, right information, oversaturation of so, so, so social media and then the internet and has brought about this, yeah. this pace, right? Come on, ruthless elimination of hurry. <laughs> but it's brought about this unhealthy pace which has weighed on the soul to a point to where we are crying out for reprieve, right? It's because of this over uh, saturation that essentially exists and this overstimulation that is everywhere we go, right? Mm. And we now exist in um, what um, social uh, psychologists essentially um, call a, a we, we now exist in, in an attention economy, right? Mm -hmm. It's all the, the, the ad money and all the, the best, um, almost like, a, how can I put it? All the best investments right now yeah. are in distraction, right? Mm -hmm. If you invest in distraction, you get a ridiculous return on money, yeah. right? Now, influence is more profitable than affluence in and of <laughs> itself. Sure. So it's the most valuable currency. And because of that, uh, Herbert Simon, the economist, um, he termed the the... Uh, he, he coined the, the the term attention economy. Yeah, 
And if you exist in an attention economy, then you will always crowd for the rarest thing in that particular thing, and it's going to hold the most value. Mm -hmm. So when we look at all the noise pollution and when you look at all the oversaturation, our souls, which come from a place of silence yeah. and solitude and introspection, are going to... Uh, it's almost like whenever that happens, it, it forces us to short circuit and default once again to our uh, default settings. And so I, that's what I think. Mm. I think when the outside is so loud that we can't really survive and be sane in yeah. it, then something in us, something that was created in us, something deep within us begins to long for our origin state, which is in a space, in a place of silence and solitude. Well, you mentioned ruthless elimination of hurry, mm -hmm. and you've mentioned earlier you made reference to practicing the way. So mm -hmm. I think it it... I think another element of it is spiritual practices has found this voice, this advocate in John Mark Comer that, that speaks to a younger generation and, and gives Damn. voice to the importance and role of spiritual practices in a new way, Absolutely. right? Just reframing it around Ab spiritual disciplines Absolutely. to practicing the way Absolutely. speaks more to, you know, this generation that's coming Absolutely. up. And I think to, um, and, and if you know if if you know Jean Marc, like you you'll kind of un understand. I, I think this is a show and tell generation. Yeah. And I think what what made John Mark and his ministry and his voice so prominent in our generation is the simple fact that um, due to some some personal convictions and just a nudge of the Holy Spirit, how he'll always point his his prophets. Um, you know, I, I feel like futurist is just another, you know, <laughs> you exist in this angst that doesn't exist yet. Yeah. And what that does is it makes you prototypical in then championing a specific thing. So I feel like just based on uh, the prophetic identity that uh, John Mark has and some, some things that he has, he just began to exist in a space of lament at all the business and everything that was happening. And if you've read the book, just based on personal experience, but what he did was he began to speak and prototype it in a community, yeah. right? And began to speak in a city like Portland, which is light years ahead of a city like Dallas, right? <laughs> and so in that particular city, he tapped into the cries of the city that God had, had called him to. Yeah. And he was able to almost prototype a community of people that were doing things. And those things were so resonant. So when the rest of the world caught up with that, there was already an emulatable society that was essentially doing that. And the person who was the architect that God had raised up as an architect in that particular community yeah. then gets asked the questions and pulled onto panels and yeah. and gets asked to write and to speak on what that looks like. And they become the authority, what that essentially looks like. So I think that John Mark was perfectly positioned having right to, to speak to the cries of a generation mm. because he had been there, you know what I'm saying? And he had yeah. already kind of built something worth emulating because the truth of the matter is there's a lot of people that will champion this and say this, but if you've never built a community, yeah. right, which is functional and sane right, <laughs> and has the a deep imprint of God's approval on it, then people will just be like, ah, that's just another voice shouting into the ether. Yeah, But that for him is... And I've seen it in so many, I've been a part of a lot of movements, like um, the church that I, I, I came from, the upper room, was also another great example of a, a out of an angst, um, 
they were like, nah, there's something about worship which 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 deeply resonates with the human experience. And so they formed a community of worshipers and and art and creativity and art. Yeah. And, and and it just kinda and whenever God opened the lid, an entire generation had resonance with that particular community and it just blew up. So I wonder if there's something in I'm I'm gonna throw something out and mm-hmm. you tell me if I'm completely not in not thinking of it the right way. No, go Please. ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. I love it. Because we've talked, I've talked with, I feel like I've talked about, or I mentioned this with every guest I've had on the podcast recently, and and, and, and you and I have talked about it a little bit offline too, mm-hmm. about this idea of rhythms. Yeah. And spiritual practices, what it's getting at too is this is this rhythm. Yeah. It's, and I, a part of me wonders if there's a desire, kind of an innate desire or rebellion against lack of structure. It's yeah. this idea, it's this, it's this desire to have not control necessarily, but have structure in that's a society right. that seems so unstructured yeah, and man. untethered right now. But it's, so it's, it's our ability to respond by creating these rhythms, having this structure in our lives. Do you, is that, uh, and, uh, am I hitting on a Bro, mark or is that you not? are hitting the nail on the head? Brilliant and accurate, but because think about it, right? Uh, let's take it, um, to its most, uh, unspiritual let's reduce it to its most unspiritual expression the 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 number when we look at self-preservation right the the core of self-preservation whenever we are threatened if you take somebody that cannot swim and you throw them in the water everything on the inside of them based on that self-preservation is going to reach for stability and structure right whatever can exist outside of the element of chaos, which mm-hmm. is threatening their very existence, they will reach and hold on to. Mm-hmm. So that's exa- I feel like that's exactly what we're drowning in this sea of oversaturation and uh, this, you know, like over. Um, uh, well, I can't. I can't really say that. So let me just say <laughs> over everything, right? Yeah. <laughs> over everythingation of everything. Yeah. I just made that word up. But because that then we're like, okay, where's the structure? Where's the truth? Where are the pillars? Where are the immovables? Where are the non-negotiables? Yeah. And then those things become fashionable. So mm-hmm. I think that's exactly what it is. The core of who we are, right? As descendants of a kingdom of structure created in the image of a God of structure, right? Whenever there is chaos, right? We crave that, you know, you the or, right? Yeah. The let there be, right? the order in chaos, yeah. right? It's an existential failsafe that we always reach out to. So, oh, dude, mm. I think you nailed it on that. Mm. Well, what has been something that you've had to learn about your own lifestyle Yum. that you've had to adjust in order to prioritize? Now, I know a lot of these were ingrained in you as yeah. you said from early Yum. on, but as you're thinking about maybe these these other ones that you're looking at trying to adopt a little bit more of, Yum. how are you thinking about what you need to change or adjust in prioritizing your life to, in order to make these things now work in a new rhythm of your life? No. Oh dude, that man, that's, that, that's a great question. And once again, dude, I, I am like (laughs) the irony of this whole thing is right. If the whole world goes into chaos, right? (laughs) uh, There's two, there's, there's, there's two types of, there's two archetypes that rise to prominence, right? Yeah. One is that voice of order and that voice of stillness and that voice of reason that people are like, 
oh my goodness. It's what Jesus came into a crazy politically charged Israel and he was like, hey, my yoke is easy. When you come to me, you get rest. His value proposition was rest. Yeah. That's why it resonated so deeply with people because they were oppressed, they were waiting for a Messiah. So they existed in this state of flux, in this state of angst and chaos and hope and hope deferred in this cycle. And, 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 and here's this rabbi, he says, I'm the Messiah, but what I bring is rest. I bring an easy yoke, right? So, so, so that's the first archetype. The person that brings the order in chaos, right? Yeah. And then the second are the people that have existed so long in that chaos <laughs> that they essentially know how to surf it or thrive it. It always pushes them up to prominence yeah. in that particular thing. So you'll notice that the the the, the personalities and the archetypes and the people and, and, and the cultures and the context that have risen to prominence within our generation are, you know, the stand-up comedians, right? Yeah. The most obnoxious people, the loudest <laughs> people when it comes, that platforms, I mean, further <laughs> speaks yeah. into that chaos and <laughs> and the cycle becomes, un, you know, unrelenting and almost yeah. crazy. So all that to say, um, self-deprecating, but, but, but I think the principle that I'm trying to say here is, uh, doing ministry, right? Um, and having the type of personality that speaks to that has only added to more complexity and more invitations and more prominence and more, you know, questions and more followers and more voices and more to where now silence and solitude is even further because now it's tied to productivity. Mm. And whenever we think that what we're, whenever we believe our self-destructive habits are productive, yeah. especially within the kingdom, we let ourselves get away with unhealthy habits and rhythms and cadences. Yeah. So with that said, that's essentially where, what I am. Um, I feel like my, 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 my challenge, mm. my struggle, my discipline is, is in, it's in finding rhythms of silence and, and solitude and introspection. Mm. Um, because even my times with the Lord and my walk with the Lord, I find that I lean more towards, um, uh, a a a a a um a deeply um intercessory mm. right cadence of prayer i find that it's it's louder and less restful that's just a natural space that i go to yeah and i think just resting in the lord is is something that i really truly need to uh yeah to lean into mm. especially in a, in a season of much productivity i think for people who might be interested in starting uh, to adopt spiritual practices themselves, mm-hmm. um, as I said, there's uh, I'll put links in the show notes to different books and resources um, for you to check out. But just um, what encouragement could you give to people mm-hmm. who want to, who maybe they've never really thought about adopting spiritual practices before? Yeah, um, man, I would like to take that word adopting and raise it. And put as much gravitas <laughs> as I can Good. on it, and, and 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 here's my shocker statement, and and I'm going to double up and stand on it. Uh, the practices are non-negotiable, mm. right? That's where you find rest. That's where you find the parameters for a productive life. That's where, it's in the pruning, right? Yeah. That we get fruit, mm. and the fruit is the only thing of value that we bring to the people around us, right? It's what takes our walk from just being a selfish, self-fulfilling uh, 
you know, walk or faith or whatever and being mm. agents of light and transformation that we're called to be, right? The end all for our relationship with the Lord, I genuinely believe, is being lights and beacons that bring other people to a saving knowledge of who he is. And um, if you do not have, I remember this story, I think Hosanna Wong shared the story at CR when she came and uh, mm. she was talking about uh, trellises and how she yep. went to a vineyard and uh, they were talking about how there's these trellises and they, they put the vines around. And she asked um, a simple question. She's like, wait, so can they bear fruit if the, the vines are not held up yeah. by these trellises, if they're just kind of doing the viney thing on the ground and kind of spreading? And it says the, um, the grape guy, I don't know what the official term for <laughs> him is. Sure. Yeah, but the grape guy said, yes, uh, they will. And they will be fruitful, but they will live way down mm. their entire lives. And I feel like that's what's happening to a generation. I feel like that's what's happening to our community. We're living weighed down yeah. because we will not set the trellis of the practices, right? It's when we take the yoke. Let me let me go ahead and kind of remix it once again. It's when we take the yoke of the practices because what is a yoke? A yoke is an instrument of structure, yeah. right? When we take the yoke of of prayer and fasting and silence and solitude and and witnessing and communion and generosity and and all of the other practices, and we put it on ourselves and we we use it as guidelines, right, against the the, the constant and incessant pull of good things, which are the enemy of great. And mm. when we say no, these are the guidelines, these are the parameters, this is how I'll raise my children. When you do that, then you see that it crafts a a, a trellis of fruitfulness, and the people that are truly bearing the fruit. That is worthy of this kingdom, which we have been called to be partakers of, are the people that have placed the practices and they have uh, built their lives around them. Yeah. And so that's what I would say. It's not negotiable. Mm. I'd say don't, uh, hey, I need to start on the practices. I would say, hey, just be like, Holy Spirit, help me with this. Mm. Right. Because, yeah. That's, I think that's great advice. Is, is, is God is for you in this. Yes. So feel Grace. free to, you know, talk to him about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And say, God, I genuinely, I have this conviction of wanting to do this. Absolutely. And then just look, he will start to point out things in time, in That's space right. to you that you can start doing this. That's right. Don't turn your blind. Just be aware yeah. that your flesh is going to fight against that and try, right. to, and, and try to fill that time to, to fill your attention and yeah. all that stuff. And just, you know, so if you could walk in mindful of that, yes. looking for for God to point out opportunities Come and on. time, and maybe even a spiritual friend mm. or mentor who wants to partner with you in it, yeah. like be receptive to how God is going to embrace this idea of you wanting Ooh. to adopt, you know, Come not on. adopt a... Uh, what was you said? They they are they are necessary. There we go. Yes, <laughs> they're not negotiable. Non negotiable. Right. Yeah, that, that's right. <laughs> Preach, man! You're a preaching brother. You're getting me excited. That's exactly right. There we go. Well, reward. Thank you so much. I love mm. getting to talk about this stuff with you, and mm. I just really appreciate your time and your passion for spiritual practices. Man. And uh, I, I have no doubt everybody's excited now to just run out Come to on. set their New Year's resolutions. <laughs> They're just going to say like spiritual practices. Yeah, this is going to be the mark of 2024. Wow, man! <laughs> thanks for having me, brother. I appreciate you. Thank you. Now, let's look at some next steps out of this episode. First, I've put a bunch of different links in the show notes. We have some 
guides that were written by Saddleback Church on how to engage in some spiritual practices, and there are a number of books and websites I've included as well. Second, with all of these resources, your challenge here is to choose one to start practicing. Give yourself a goal. Maybe it's through the end of the year, at least, or in just make a plan, right? Say, I'm going to do this every blank, every day, every other day, every week, at least until blank. And just give yourself a timeline goal. Say, I'm going to do this at this time until then. And then don't forget, talk to God about it, right? God wants to be a part of this with you. After all, it's all for him. This has been another episode of Doable Discipleship. I want to thank my guest today, Reward Sabanda. We'll be back with you again next week. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Just subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you are already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com slash doable to check out all of our previous episodes and go to saddleback.com slash grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts, send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? Your question might just inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Jason Whelan, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Music